It's Bashomania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashomania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. We are back. Summertime coffee talk. Coffee Chenzo's back. And our guy Bo is back. How are you guys? Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for, for having me on. I'm excited to chat with the boys. People have been commenting for Chenzo's return. So this makes me so happy that the people are getting his return. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I got to show my face every once in a while. And, you know, I haven't talked to my man Bo in a bit, so. Might as yeah, well hop on for it's tonight. like, hey, you, you want to hop on for this guy? Yeah, want to hop on for this guy? Yeah, yo, Bo's coming on. I'm in. What time? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, and there's there's been a few that I've tried to make recently. I really was trying to make Pat the burger one a yeah, few you weeks are. ago, and I could and I couldn't get to that. But I'm happy to be back. It's good to be on. Talk you about did. Stuff. We won't divulge why you didn't go to that one, but I will say you gave it a valiant effort. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we gave let's it a go. About, but... Let's talk about why he headbutted the frick out of Zane. Oh, <laughs> Zane dude, doesn't get so... that pissed that often. That was Zane... bad. That was bad. <laughs> I, here's the thing: those two are both like two of the nicest guys I know, like I know, which is so funny that they, that like they like got it, like we're getting after it, like they were they were chirping at each other. I think it's so funny. Uh, the meanest yeah. thing, yeah, the meanest thing Zane can say is that's messed up, bro. <laughs> yes, I, I was trying to read his lips too that i saw it and i was like that's hilarious because that's and i think that's a Tyler that's said such like, line too. i'm not afraid <laughs> of you or something like that like they're, they're both like so nice and they don't because everybody once once burger said the stuff that's about what you Nala, tell the monster that's hiding in your closet <laughs> once like <laughs> burger was saying he was coming for Nolf's head everybody's like that's just him like he's just a nice guy though and then I got to know he him. Is. He is a super nice guy. Like he's a great, great. But dude, he yeah. loves the. He does love trying to be the wrestling villain, but it's so short lived. <laughs> oh man, he does. He puts. He puts so much into it, and just and cares a lot. You know. Yeah. He's he just every once in a while he'll have a little fuse, but great dude, just passionate. I can't. You can't hate it. Can't the hardest part about Final X, and you guys can relate to this a lot more than me, but when you're an athlete and you're on the floor and like you're used to it for me, like I only go down there as media or something and like watching the loser of final X walk off. That's devastating. And like Nick Lee and Yanni, both my guys and watching them both walk off and the emotions is crazy. Yeah. It's not fun. <laughs> no. Shout out yeah. John bro. And he said yeah. funerals and weddings. So yeah, that's a pretty good analogy. Yeah. And I mean, Look, last time last time I saw Bo Nickel was was actually right, right after he uh, was coaching a match where against me where I lost. So <laughs> that's that that never that ne losing does never feel good. I wouldn't know what it's like to lose that final X. I, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure it's devastating though. Like that shit sucks. Like it's yeah, never it, fun. It, like right off and then like right off the mat, dude. Yeah, you it question sucks like everything. You you lose two in a row. You are not necessarily two in a row, but you lose twice. 
yeah. it's like you lose and then like you try to get your head back and then you're like you get beat again and you're just like i am absolute trash like i'm a garbage <laughs> person and this is this is not fun but yeah it's, you get over it <laughs> it sucks to watching like people who are good humans like watching gilman come up and congratulate nick like you love the respect and the brotherhood but you feel for him because you know the spot he's in and it's like yeah that's gotta i don't i don't like it i don't like being back there for that all right bo you got the fight cool. next week let's start right there Treshawn gore next weekend how are you feeling i'm feeling great i'm feeling great i uh got a couple more days of training in pa and then sunday i'll i'll head to vegas so i'm gonna spend the, the week in vegas and yeah you know it's it's really interesting because in wrestling you compete so often and you know a lot of times you compete at a tournament you might wrestle five times in a day but you know now for mma i'm training 10 weeks for one fight and it's one big event that's you know so far off in the distance and now i'm i'm basically right there and so it's just a lot that goes into it but i feel really well prepared and um especially after having already gone through this in march with ufc fight week media knowing what that's like knowing every uh, bit of my responsibilities and so i'm just ready to go ready to take it you know business as usual and just be myself and um yeah, I'm just excited to fight. That's like one of the better things about MMA as well is the atmosphere of the fight is like an NCAA finals type atmosphere. You know, it's like a massive college duel atmosphere. And and, and you're going to get that every time, no matter what, just because of the of what the UFC brings and what fights bring. So, you know, for me, that's probably the most fun part about competing is doing it in front of that that big crowd and just having that excitement in the air. And I know with international fight week, it's going to be like that. So I'm just really, you know, counting down the days at this point. It's crazy too. I apologize in advance for kicking off media week a little early. <laughs> like it's just kind of like worked out where you happen to be fighting next week. We're overdue for a show. Um, I don't know if UFC fighters are allowed to bet on themselves. Are they? Not anymore. Um, we used to be able to, but when everything went down with, uh, James Krause and guys fixing fights and stuff, then, you know, they, they banned betting on fights. So I can't bet on any fights, um, which is probably if we're being a hundred percent real about it, that's probably the way it should have always been. Like, you know, NFL football players can't bet on NFL games. You know, NBA Dude, the guy like, got suspended for a, a year today. Yeah. He's, Calvin um, Ridley got suspended for a year, a few years. Last last year, like, yeah. Calvin Ridley got suspended last oh, year. Calvin Ridley. Yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah. Well, you know, no, so but like, the Colts players got suspended recently. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, at the end of the day, I, I don't think that, I mean, it doesn't make sense. I, I'll say this, when I was betting on fights, I was cleaning up. Like, I did not really <laughs> lose too often. And uh, it made sense because, like, it's guys I'm training with, it's guys I know, it's, you know, you have a lot of inside information. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I think it makes sense that they're, you know, not allowed to bet on on fights and stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's I feel like it would have to be a wash a little bit with, like, how many homer bets I feel like people would make. Like people do get disproportionately loyal to their team in the sense of like, oh yeah, he's winning. Like you're a sixteen hundred favorite, a minus sixteen hundred favorite next weekend, which I think is free money. Um, but like there's people I can't imagine, let's say Trey Sean's camp, he's plus right. seven fifty. His camp thinks he's gonna win, I'm sure. So right. they're 
But if they're betting large sums of money, that could be very bad. Like not just the fixing fight side of it, but the side of like people spending irresponsibly could be a dangerous slope. Yeah, and, and it is interesting because MMA is so volatile. And you know, if you're if you're you 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 just if you're putting money into it, I mean, most people are going to be betting emotionally, and crazy yeah. things happen in fights, right? Like most times, I really... only bet emotionally. Yeah, I was about so... to say, who does who does that? <laughs> yeah, right. No, but it, I mean, I think it's most people are betting casually. You know, you can make it fun and stuff, and that's actually you know a company that, that I'm involved with now. Uh, better, a lot of what they do is is micro betting, which is uh is a kind of new concept it's interesting it's it's supposed to be you know a little more responsible a little fun so it's small bets throughout an event right versus that's what chenzo and i love we do that for football where it's like yeah you know so it's live betting you know um yep. and, and that's something that i think is uh they, they got to figure out the best way to do that in mma because it's a very fast sport you know round around and stuff but it could be could be really exciting but yeah i know like every time i have a fight coming up people are I can tell people don't really want to ask me, but they're kind of like, yo, what do you think? Knockout submission? What round? <laughs> well, I remember telling Kassar, I told him. I love that. I told Kassar last time we, I, I was texting right? him about your vlog. And yeah. I told him like that line that he saw at that one pawn shop or store, whatever yeah. it was in Vegas. I'm like, you got to go back and buy that. And I'm like, by the way, I'm like, I don't want any inside info because I don't want you to get in trouble even at all. Or the potential of I'm like, I love the odds on both first round submission. And everybody yeah. who knows I know you was asking, like, yo, what do you think? I'm like, I have no clue. I'm like, but I don't like laying long odds. So first round submission, I'll I'll have some fun with that. So I yeah. love that one. Yeah, I know a lot of people that won have won a lot of money on my last, I mean, my last three fights, first round submission. And uh, you know, I know guys that are teammates. I, I told before the fight, every all three of those fights. Um, I had teammates ask me, yo, what's what's going down? And I told him first round submission. So there was a uh, multiple thousands of dollars won the last three with uh, a few <laughs> buddies. But uh, yeah, it was good. good for, hey, good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Good I mean, them. that's the thing. Like, if somebody's asking me, I'm going to tell them what I think. But I'm always like hesitant because. Like, dude, I don't really know. Well, it's you all exactly. Fight. You also don't know. <laughs> like, it, it, like you, even if you go for a first round submission, like if a knockout's there, you're taking it. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm gonna win, man, because I get yeah. paid. I don't get paid to. I just get paid to win. Like that's it. I'm here to win. So however I got to do that, that's what I'm gonna do. It was funny because uh, I know. So my second contenders fight, right away, I knocked the dude down with the left hand, and. uh then I know they're all freaking out because they thought I was going to TKO him, but then I ended up triangling him, so it worked out. But yeah, you just never know the fight. That was crazy. So you did submit the last guy, Jamie Pickett, back in March. What did you take away? You know, you said that now you have a fight under your belt, and I feel like there was so much hype for you, and you lived up to it. And now this one feels different. You know, it's kind of like let's say last time it was like. NCAAs, you win as a freshman. Now it's a whole different ball game. Your next year, expectations, everything are different. What did you take away from that last fight heading into this next one? You know, honestly, from all my fights, I feel like what I gained the most is just experience through the camp because I've only been fighting for a year, right? Like my first pro, which is well, crazy. I've only been fighting professionally for a year. I've been I've been fighting, um, you know, I was amateurs for a year and a half. Uh, but my first pro fight was last June. And so 
every single camp I have, I, I really get so, so much better. And I learn so much because I'm so new to the sport. And so I think for me, that's the most valuable thing. But I think in addition to that, just going through the week and getting to experience the, what like the UFC, like what the machine is, like how they work and everything that goes into putting on a huge event like that. And then just experiencing being out there in the cage and um, the lights, you know, the pressure, all of that understanding, like what I'm going to feel going in and what I'm going to feel in the cage and, and kind of just being prepped and ready for that. I, I remember my last fight is crazy. I was in the cage and it's like Tom Brady, Kim Kardashian, like crazy freaking celebrities on ringside, you know, obviously like Dana White's there, Joe Rogan's interviewing me after. I'm like, this is a freaking wild thing, but <laughs> experience. Vincenzo that. Joseph and the nosebleeds. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I got you in there, bro. I got yes, you Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah but that's uh, all that we need no doubt <laughs> but yeah i mean just that experience and feeling that pressure i feel like is is super valuable for me so i'm just excited to do that again and just go out there be myself and and have fun because that's really what i live for at the end of the day is just go out there and compete and then uh, that's the most the thing that's the most fun for me you did look so, super poised less the high kick slip <laughs> <laughs> so i have one question sometimes you know just Obviously, you're very new fighting. You come out, you throw a few shadow punches, stuff like that to get going. Is that something that, like, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I love it. I think I see you getting ready, you know, but like, is that something that you think that like is going to go away or you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to come out, just, you know, get in the group a little like, bit? You mean like punching like uh, in front of the guy? Yeah, but like, it's like almost to the point where, I feel like before you even start gauging your range, you're like getting your like striking in motion first. Yeah. Yeah. So we call that, uh, we call that punch in the air. So basically what I'm doing um, from a, a technical standpoint is I'm kind of just controlling the space between me and my opponent, even though okay. it looks weird. And even though it's not like, obviously I'm not trying to land it. There's just, it's yeah. just putting something between me and him just so okay. he has something to worry about something to think about. Like I'm not obviously trying to land the punch. I'm just I'm just yeah. throwing something in between. So it, it kind of is 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 dressing everything up. Right. So, you know, it, it masks things. Right. Like certain things in wrestling you do. Maybe you'll just get low right. on your or touch the touch the mat or something. It's like a little um, thing that most people wouldn't even notice. It's cool that you notice that. But, yeah, I'm just I'm just putting something between me and him and kind of uh, starting to dress it up to set up, you know, what I'm trying to do. Where cool. you you did say after um the fight last time in the espn interview that you were a little disappointed that it was the easiest route possible to a degree and i, I will talk a little bit about your podcast that you launched that i thought was great and you mentioned that like i i don't know who the scientist is that you're talking about but you mentioned that you're not doing all this just to beat an easy fighter or take an easy fight but at the same time, don't you want to just go out and dominate? Like, what's that difference between wanting to just go out and get a Jorge Masvidal 15-second knee knockout versus wanting to be tested and put on a show? You know, for me, it's really – it's it's I'm taking incremental steps in, in my development. I'm making sure, you know, I'm not pushing myself too far too fast. I'm – you know, one one step at a time, make sure I'm not skipping steps. And I, and by the time I'll fight the best guys, I'll be ready to go. But I think in the fight, I, I'm i only going to be satisfied with my performance if I feel like I really do something exceptional, you know, regardless of my opponent. So 
you know, I felt like in the last fight, I kind of just took him down, arm triangled him. It wasn't really like exceptional. It wasn't really, um, I, I, I don't mean that I want to get in like a slugfest brawl type fight where we're both trying to knock each other out, but I want to just perform and do something that I feel like is at the level that I train and at the level that I, I see myself, you know? And so if I just go out there, take a guy down, arm triangle him, it's kind of like almost, I won't say a letdown because at the end of the day, the most important thing is go out there, win and, and take care of what I need to take care of. But at the same time, I'm only going to have, let's say by the end of my career, 20 fights, you know? So every single one of those is very important. And I want to put on a exceptional show, not necessarily a, make it competitive to where the guy's touching me up or anything, but do something exciting, you know, that, so that to me, like, it wasn't really exciting what I did. I was like, yeah, I could have probably done that to him, you know, anytime, like a hundred times out of a hundred. So, but, but for me, it's just more so judging my own performance based on myself exclusively. Makes I'd say, sense. I'd you say that too. Um, as I mean, like, I, I can honestly look at that too. Like, like in college, you beat a dude 15 to zero, you come off the mat with like kind of pissed off. Right. You know, it's like not, not pissed off but it's like you know i you know i, I should have pinned that guy right. um and that's kind of what like i feel like it's, it's similar to men the mentality you have with with that 100 percent. it's the exact same yeah. you know for me i'm i'm just concerned with with my performance and my, my own perception of that right like the result really doesn't yeah. matter like i could have a first round finish or or you know like you said a 15 to 0 tech fall but if i don't feel like i right. competed the way that i wanted to compete or did something exceptional that i wanted to do in the fight then it's kind of almost a letdown uh if that makes sense not quite as fulfilling either right i guess makes you. sense speaking of college wrestling yeah. so t-mobile arena's twenty thousand people capacity and your last ncaa match was ncaa finals you beat colin moore 5-1 ppg arena pittsburgh just under twenty thousand, like nineteen thousand five something i'm interested in you comparing the two the experience, like you said, with UFC, you have like Kim Kardashian, Tom Brady, Dana White, Joe Rogan. What's the walk? Like, it seemed like you tried to be so serious. Chenzo's there. It seemed like you tried to be so serious initially, and then you were just loving it. You were bobbing your head like you got into it. You're high fiving fans. What's like compare the two competing in front of 20,000? Like NCAAs is so unique because it's 20,000 cult wrestling fans. You know, it's not like there's not many wrestling fans there that aren't super excited to be there where I feel like sometimes you get UFC fans that are in Vegas. They're at a guy's night, whatever. Let's go to the fights. They're not like wrestling fans are super passionate. What's that difference like? And, and yeah. where is it maybe same? Yeah. So I'll explain, I'll explain the difference and then I'll kind of talk through like the emotions of the UFC fight, because it was really interesting for me being my first one, but I would say, you know, just the atmosphere overall, um, when you walk out for an NCAA finals match, you know, you're still 100 feet away from the nearest person. And it's like you got your carpet and then they're way away. You get on the mat, there's nobody really within, aside from the referee and your coaches, there's nobody really close to you. It, when you walk out for that UFC fight, everybody's on top of you. They're like, boom, right there. And not to mention, everybody's like, rowdy you know they're they're drinking they're having fun like you're saying it's a bachelor party it's boys night it's something crazy they're trying to see some carnage and, and, and <laughs> right. definitely, it's just so much more respectful it's like 
I'm here to see good sportsmen, like yeah. respectful guys. And I'm here to see, you know, good techniques. And, and most of the MMA people, like they just want blood. And uh, so it's just different The you can, you can feel that. And it was really interesting because I didn't know what to expect walking out for my first UFC fight. I was kind of assuming, all right, this is just going to be, is another wrestling match. That's kind of what I was telling myself. I'm like, this is another wrestling match. And, and to be honest, the most nervous that I was for the entire camp through the entire fight was when I was in the back about to walk out with the curtains in front of me, it was like high, highest amount of nerves. And so I was just telling myself, all right, focus on what you need to do with your techniques, like get into good position, start moving. Um, like that, like just keep it, keep it simple, right? Like, what am I going to do in the fight? Right. Don't think about, oh, how big the crowd is and this and that. And then I start to walk out. And so that's how you kind of, you see my face very serious because I'm just thinking about what I need to do in the fight. And then the crowd is like loving it. They're like hyped up for me. And like, they're right there, all these dudes. And they're like, let's go, let's go. Random dudes. I don't know. And uh, they're like hyping me up. And I'm like, all right, let's go. So I just, I just I love that game. And I was like, all right, yeah, let, like I just, my, my brain switched from, all right, focus on what you need to do to let's have some fun. Like, let's, let's enjoy this. Like, let's go, baby. Like, this is fun. And uh, it was just that energy from the crowd just flipped the switch in my mind. And then honestly, as soon as that happened, every nerve went away and I was just ready to go. That's awesome. This might be a stupid question. But you're six fights in, two amateur or four amateur, two pro. You haven't been punched in the face yet. Is there a part of you that wants to be punched in the face just to get out of the way? To take the hit? Not really. It's it's uh... I'm about to say I'm a I'm a four and a half, half hour drive from Vegas if, if you want to get punched. If I need to get back up. <laughs> if you need it before the fight, yeah. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah, for sure. No, Got I... you, man. That's, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> honestly, honestly, um, I'm not really looking forward to getting hit. You know, I'm I'm sparring all the time with really high level guys. So, you know, I'm getting I'm getting hit in sparring and training all the time with big gloves, with little gloves, and uh it's not fun, you know. <laughs> it's never yeah, like think? <laughs> so. Um, for me, it's honestly, it's honestly more of like an uh, a pressure thing because I feel like I have this reputation, like, oh, I've gone six fights, I haven't even been touched. I, I'm like, I got to keep it going. Like, I can't get touched, right. you know. And so, I, I'm just like, I know it's gonna happen, and when I do, I'm gonna be like, ah, like I had it, I had long that streak going for a while, <laughs> like. You know, in college, I pinned a few guys. You know, I pinned three, four, five guys in a row. And then, you know, if I was didn't get a pin, I'd be like, dang, I lost the streak. So, you know, hopefully I can just keep it going as long as I can. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not really looking to get hit much at all throughout my whole career. So if I don't have to, I can go all the way to the bell and not get hit. I'm going to do it. But, uh, yeah, that's just, you know, been fortunate as well to, you know, be in good position in the fights. Do you, like, even I, – I know you said, like, you don't – I mean, who would love like getting hit in the face? You don't like it at all. But like, do you get like even sparring? Do you get any more used to it? Mm -hmm. You definitely get so, like, used. To it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you I just get... I just feel like a bop to the nose just like wouldn't feel great. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because so when you're sparring and you start to understand fighting a little bit better, when you get hit, I think you kind of go through evolutions. Like first, when you get hit in the face. You're like, oh, what the hell was that? Like, ow. And then you kind of stop fighting. And then, you know, you kind of think you kind of move to this evolution of, all right, when you're sparring, you get hit in the face and it's like, 
a pride thing. You're like, damn it, like I got to get that one back. And so you kind of get emotional about it and, you're, and you, you keep fighting, but you almost get over aggressive because you got hit. And then I think when you gra graduate from that level, you kind of get to a point where when you get touched, now you can like think in the moment, all right, why did that happen? How did he set me up? You know, all right, what am I going to do now to not get touched again? And, and it just becomes like a sport, right? It becomes more, you know, if a guy take you down in wrestling, mm. underhook, you're going to be like, all right, I'm not going to get an underhook again. So that's kind of what it becomes. And, and you know, honestly, like you don't feel it a ton until after, like, um, and even, even in your face, you don't really feel it a ton unless you got like a swollen eye or something. But if you get kicked in like the calf and the leg, then it's like, that's what actually really hurts. You know, you're like leave training. You're like, frick, like my calf is all jacked up. I actually brought that's interesting. up. I, I, I like that comparison though. I brought up your pin streak um, earlier in this season when Spencer Lee had one going and I went back and I looked at it and I just pulled it up again. The start of your sophomore year was stupid. It was pin, 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 major, pin, major, pin, pin, pin. <laughs> That's just bananas. <laughs> I started count I started counting and then you started rat rattling off too fast. Yeah, no, you, you can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was uh that was a good year, honestly. I think you know, it I think about that year sometimes and it ended exactly the way it was supposed to. Um, you know, with, with five champs and just such a freaking oh, yeah. legendary that was a great year. season. Yeah, <laughs> such a great year. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I do feel like I lost I lost at the Big Tens to Miles, and I was like, dang, I really could have been a three-time Hodge winner if I wouldn't have lost that match because I was dominating. I had, I don't even know, 20-something pins, and at the NCAA tournament, I think I pinned. I tech-falled my first opponent, then I pinned three guys in a row to get to the finals, so I was doing pretty well, but again it's it, it was about the that year was was about the team the same was the next year was about it was about the team and then uh our i don't know how you remember that like the hey, fact um, that you remember the tech three straight pins when you wrestled like 140 matches in college is crazy <laughs> i i remember them too how much time do you think you spent on the mat with sammy brooks in college <laughs> i think less than two minutes <laughs> i think sorry. it was maybe a minute and a minute 10 a minute 15 total it was the the better stat is is how much time I spent against Iowa because I'm all pins versus Iowa. <laughs> Sammy Brooks yeah, even, pin was even, even after, even 38 after seconds in a minute oh two. A yeah. minute forty. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> so Got him. <laughs> another wrestling comparison. Every now and then you see a wrestler have a dominant season. But then when they go the distance, like this year with Spencer Lee, he was very dominant. But then when he got towards the end, like the matches that and some people say he was injured, whatever, but like you're not used to that conditioning. And then all of a sudden you go a full seven minutes and you're feeling it for you. You know, you had a 33 second finish, 62 second finish, 52 second finish. Now it's just under three minutes. When you have these pattern of first round finishes and you're preparing for the next fight, are you getting into a habit where like your expectation is an early fight or is the conditioning training still like, this could go the distance. It's always to go the distance. You know, and for me, my mentality is um, I go, I never go in expecting to end it early. I expect to go the distance every single fight. I think that being a college wrestler really was able to help teach me that. And you're able to learn like just how to strategize your, your energy and how to, how to manage it. Because I think as a freshman, a lot of times I would go out there way too hot off of the start and um, 
then when I didn't get that fin that pin, I would fade towards the end. And yeah, I was still up by a lot, but it's just not a good look to fade towards the end. I want I want to go out stronger. And so for me, my mentality, I, I yeah, I have had all first round finishes, but going into the fight, I'm I'm always ready to go 15, and my training reflects that. And so you know, if it happens, it happens. But you know, I'm just going out there to compete every second, and um, regardless of what the situation is, I'm just going to do my best. And yeah, I believe I can I can get him out of there in the first round, um, but I'm not banking on that at all. What's that conditioning difference like? Like you think of how hard seven minutes is for collegiate wrestling and to think 15 minutes, it's obviously so different, but what's that difference been like for you? I'm sure the training's a bit different going 15 minutes than training for seven. Yeah, it's different training. You know, you just kind of lengthen everything out. It's not as intense. It's a little more volume. And, you know, the pace for an MMA fight is just very different than a wrestling match. I, I think a lot of things are different. You know, one, you're bent over, you're having somebody pulling on your head and neck the entire time. And, uh, you know, the other thing is, in a wrestling match, a seven minute match could really last 15 or 20 minutes because you're going out of bounds, you're taking breaks, you're stopping with a fight. Yeah. It's just, you know, once it starts, it starts. So you're kind of just learning to manage that time within the fight. And I think a lot of that comes from just adjusting your rounds to being, you know, instead of two, three, four minutes, there are five, six, seven minutes. And you're um, just the volume, like I said, is different, but it's still wrestling is easily the the hardest conditioning discipline you know in in all the disciplines if you like if i just make a guy wrestle me for 45 seconds they're pretty much toast just because i'm pulling on their head they're not used to that stuff versus for me it's a little easier to be able to hang in there with the striking with the striking or with the jujitsu just because it's not as taxing but if i make a guy wrestle me that's not a wrestler it's like one minute and they're done yeah one of the now questions for, for train for I'm sorry, I cut you off, but for oh, training, ahead. conditioning, stuff like that, did you do, you know, same stuff that you did just for training wrestling? I'm I'm sure not the exact same, you know, uh, you, you do, you know, I'm sorry, um, just like adding new things, stuff like that, but same type of conditioning, training stuff, things like that, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's pretty much the exact same conditioning training, you know, just bike work, um, weight training stuff, circuits, all of that. Um yeah. I would say literally the only difference I do is the rounds. Right. And, you know, even when we were wrestling, we would do, um, we would still do, you know, longer rounds. Sometimes we do a 10 minute go. And so for me, it's the same thing. It's like, I kind of start out the base as, as three minutes, like the shortest round I'll do is like, is is a three minute round, but I'm trying to do a little bit longer rounds and and I do a few more of them. So instead of doing three threes, I'll do, you know, three fives or I'll do five fives or, or stuff like that. Or I'll do, you know, maybe like eight threes and it's just, it's just a different pace. So the, the right. are adjusted, but it's honestly very similar. Okay. As you start getting a lot of respect, you know, I feel like a lot of the elite wrestlers that have had MMA success, John Jones, Daniel Cormier, you're seeing their respect for you at scale continue to rise. I, I love the, the conversation between you and Cormier, I think it was like the day before where Mm -hmm. it was almost like a pep talk, but it wasn't, but you could tell like there was a lot of passion there. And I'm curious if I had to guess what the media is going to hone in on next week is going to be expectation a lot and not necessarily for you, for yourself, because you've said a million times, you, you know, and you believe you're going to be a world champion. And this is all just a part of the process and nothing changes that. 
But I think what slowly changes is the fans' expectations because it's always like combat sports is relentless. It's people that are a very what-have-you-done-for-me-lately crowd, and they are very hesitant to get behind you. And then when they do, they're all in. Early on in a career, whether it's wrestling, MMA, whatever, there's a lot of like, well, can he do that again? Well, now he's going to be tested. You kind of saw it with Jake Paul. Like as he goes into combat sports, people continue to say, well, now he needs a real opponent. Now he needs this. What do you make of the expectations and hype around you the second time around? Right. Yeah. You know, I think that this is something that I do think about that I feel like I'm well prepared for just because going through high school wrestling, college wrestling, um, it, it's a very similar thing, right? Like you, you have expectations and people say certain things about, you know, oh, well, how will he do in college? Or, you know, this school's recruiting him, that school's recruiting him. Then you get to school and it's like, oh, well, he can do that. But what happens when he wrestles this guy? Or, you know, can he do that for multiple se- matches in a row, multiple seasons in a row? And and yeah. one thing that Coach Kale talks about a lot that Chenzo knows is, you know, you, you're building your, you're always building your reputation, right? You're building that reputation and, and how you compete and what people think. And uh, I felt like towards the end of my college career, nobody even came out to beat me. They just came out to not get pinned. And because of that, it, it I wasn't even worried about winning and losing. I was just worried about competing and, and, and nobody even really tried to beat me. Like even when I wrestled Colin Moore, I wrestled him three times my senior year. I think the first time he came out, he, he was, coming out to beat me so he shot right away boom boom then i then i pinned him the second time he was like a little more hesitant you know and uh he he kind of he got an escape right at the end of the match and and to not get majored and so i think he was like happy with that he was like oh i only got beat by seven like let, and then the nca finals is kind of just like let, let me just keep this close right and uh so you know that's the same thing i want to do with fighting is i just want to keep building my reputation as you know, uh, a fighter that is all effort and who, you know, is dangerous from every position who I, I can finish guys like as soon as or from anywhere, whether that's with striking, with jujitsu, with ground and pound. And, uh, you know, somebody where if I take you down, you're not getting up. So these are a lot of, of things that I'm trying to just build my reputation. I haven't had a lot of time to do it because I finished everybody quick, but you know, I think as I continue to compete and continue to do these things and, and prove myself time and time again, that the fans will understand that and respect that. And I already have a great following with Penn State and with wrestling. And so I already have that really solid foundation of people that want to see me succeed. And I think more and more people are just going to jump on board as I continue to prove myself and really build that reputation. And I'm sure, you know, there's already a lot of fighters taking notice of it. I, you know, they got to pay these guys extra money just to accept the fight and stuff. So um yeah i just want to keep building that and and like i've said this a few times in this interview but just always you know be myself yeah yeah i think i think you're doing a i think you're doing a great job with the reputation already thank you no i think so too it's crazy how much similarities differences there are even in the fans like the wrestling community i feel like is coming more and more behind mma Mm -hmm. um what was it like sharing that locker room with John Jones? Like, I know, you know, you mentioned in a couple of interviews about how he was, he had people praying and going over scripture. And as a Christian, I got to imagine like, yeah, it's one thing. It's cool to be around somebody who has such a legacy established, 
but to also then be able to relate to them on the faith level and share scripture and stuff. What was that like for you heading into the fight? Man, it was honestly crazy. So I got into the locker room and they have your locker set up with your names on them and stuff. And um, there was there was one other guy in there, but he left for his fight quick. And then um, for like three hours, it was just my locker and John Jones. And I'm like, oh, this is sick. Like I'm sharing a locker room with John Jones. Like that's so crazy. Just as somebody that I watched when he debuted in the UFC when I was probably like 12 years old. And uh, now I'm sharing a locker with him and he's, you know, arguably one of the, if not the greatest fighter of all time, certainly one of the greatest fighters of all time. And um, that's just exciting. And so it was probably 30 minutes before I was about to walk out and uh, he just rolled in with a crew. And I was like, dang, you know, I, I rolled in there with three guys. <laughs> that's all they let me have right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he rolled in with like 30 and I was just like, dang, this is insane. You know, he's got a squad. And, you know, they immediately, they had all these uh, uh, sheets of paper with Bible verses printed on them that they were taping up all around. They're like, you cool with this? I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm very right. cool with this. And uh, then it was, you know, a, a couple minutes before, oh, and then he he, he rolled up and we were going to wrestle a little bit. And then we just, you know, we just kind of play a wrestle and dapped up. And uh, he was like, you know, hyping me up. And then right before I was about to walk out, maybe five minutes, he um, had a his his pastor there from his home. And, um, he was like, yo, will you pray with us? And I was like, yeah, for sure. Let's do it. And then the pastor prayed and, uh, then that was just like great energy. So his whole squad brought a great energy in. And I just felt, you know, that definitely gave me a lot of confidence just being around a guy like that who, who competes at such a high level and who's done it so many times. So yeah, that was, that was a really, really cool experience. And, uh, yeah, very grateful that I got to you know have that, especially in my, in my first fight in the UFC. It was sick watching on like embedded and stuff because I even if I don't watch a fight, I'll watch embedded all week. I think it's some of the greatest content produced and seeing that throughout the week, even where I think it was like you guys ran into each other the day before and seeing some of that interaction was so cool. Uh, training in the Penn State room, the, I feel like you kind of have an advantage here. We'll call a spade a spade. I think all three of us can agree. State College now has the greatest wrestling room in the world. I don't think anybody can argue that there's a better wrestling room. And for you, a lot of wrestlers have MMA gyms as their home gym. What's it like for you where it's like, yeah, you have American Top Team now in State College, your gym, but you also are very focused in the Penn State room. You're putting on a lot of content in there. You're training in there. What's that like? And do you feel like that's an advantage that you it's like, even though you're not just, you know, you're wrestling as a part of your MMA, but you're wrestling, wrestling such a big part of your life and to still be around teammates and the young college guys, do you feel like that's a huge advantage that you're able to have? I really do. You know, for me, the goal is always to be able to stay in state college and train. And one of the biggest mistakes I think people make as wrestlers transitioning in MMA is they really lose their, their sense of being a wrestler, right? Like they go, they start boxing a little bit. They start doing jujitsu, and then they, they think they don't need to train the wrestling anymore. And then you see sometimes when they do that, they get exposed a little bit by guys that are actually training wrestling. And so for me, it's really important to, you know, stay true to my roots and always um, continue to develop my wrestling, get better at it, because that's really my X factor, right? Like nobody's ever going to be able to match that um, as far as a fight goes. And, you know, especially if I keep it sharp and keep working on it and then develop 
the other the other disciplines as I you know continue my career. But I'm really grateful too just to be able to be in a position where I can focus on other guys in the practice room and give back because it's so different when you're training and wrestling and like I'm not really trying to beat anybody, you know, like it doesn't really do me any good to go into practice and like beat up a college kid. You know, I'm, I'm trying to help and it's trying probably to be fun though. I do it once in a while, you know me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Once in a while I got win Dixie a few guys and stuff and, you yeah, know, no see if I still got it. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm really like just there to help and there to, you know, I'm getting taken down a lot more than I used to for sure. Um, which is, which is, a little tough on my ego, but again, I'm trying to trying to help these guys, trying to help them get better and just be be a good leader. And then, you know, on my end in MMA, a lot of guys want to, you know, take a similar path to what I'm taking. And so I'm really trying to trailblaze this path and um, make it easy for them, right? Because I have so many question marks and unknowns and things that come up that I wasn't prepared for. And, you know, when these guys are younger than me come up and they say, you know, hey, I want to fight like no problem bro we got the blueprint ready and i did all the did all the groundwork so now you can come in and get be, be even better than than i was hopefully you know if i win you know a belt and have five title defenses and make you know 100 million bucks i hope the next person you know has 20 title defenses and makes 200 million no that's that's the goal for me is to kind of grow this uh this team and this culture uh at att and in conjunction with penn state and really um help it be better and better for all the guys that are coming after me and you guys have like quite a few guys that are interested in fighting i know like you know carter and roman and stuff like that and you know i'm I'm excited to see them but what i'm most interested about the penn state wrestling room right now though is the dodgeball situation like who's running the room in dodgeball Dude, at the moment you'll be shocked bro so basically i don't get in as much as i used to dude i was like a That's a shame. I know. And, shame. and, me, and yeah. me and Tony were, were running it, bro. And it was like easy work. You guys, we, you guys were good. It's just, it just depended on who I found as a partner for the day. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you had Mark. You guys were solid there for a little bit. Me and Gino were, were mm. tough. He's a, he's a he, little sneaky guy. <laughs> he's good. <laughs> dude, so, so the wrestling room situation right now is really interesting because there was a long time where college was severely outnumbering nlwc and coaches and uh so we were kind of getting mopped up and i was getting really frustrated because david evans was running the show and i was just like what is this how is david evans the enforcer nobody will throw at him and even the nlwc guys and i'm like if you guys don't throw at evans next game i'm coming for you i just gotta let you know <laughs> but it's just been real hectic because that, like I do said, I need to come back for a few days? Yes. Play some dog do. Really, bro. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll just come for some dog back. Ball. We'll freaking lay down the law. <laughs> Those are good times. <laughs> so but, uh, a part of the blueprint for me that I, if I look at it from the outside, I'm really amazed at how widespread your blueprint is. So, a lot of people love him. A lot of people hate him. But Jake Paul, Logan Paul turned into absolute mega stars with tens of millions of followers. They started off, and I remember, you know, I've always been into content, not necessarily following and watching so much. It's just seeing what people are doing, the trends. And I remember Jake and Logan coming up through Vine and YouTube. 
and watching it and to see what they've done now where Logan's, you know, WWE superstar, Jake's a combat sports guy. They're they're monsters. And now you're partnered up with Jake. You're involved in them on better, which, by the way, I saw yesterday they announced they raised thirty five million dollars at a three hundred million dollar valuation which goes to show you this is no just like little side project. Like this is a very serious business. How did your relationship with Jake come about? Yeah. So basically, you know, they uh, better just reached out to me and they kind of explained what they were, you know, sports betting platform that's supposed to be more user-friendly, more responsible. And, uh, you know, so they really have, they have two branches to the company. They have the, the sports betting side and they have the media side. I'm um, heavily involved in, in the media side, specifically the combat sports vertical. And, uh, you know, I was the first athlete that they signed, um, you know, and that was, uh, you know, a really cool opportunity for me. Um, so basically, it I'm just uh, putting out as much content as I can with them. That'll be in the form of podcasts. I, I'm working on a, a show with me and Kassar where we just kind of chatted up similar to what you guys do and stuff. And uh then in addition to that, I have a, a show where I'm traveling and, and meeting with guests and stuff and kind of diving into their mindset on success. And, you know, I've done uh, a couple of those so far with uh, fighters, and I would like to branch into other things, you know, business and, um, you know, maybe like music artists or, you know, other athletes and other sports and stuff and just kind of tap into the minds of people that perform at a really high level. So, that's kind of what I'll be doing with the company and just trying to grow it organically and kind of spread uh, that, that brand. And yeah, I mean, I've been really enjoying working with, uh, with better. And I, I was able to go down to Puerto Rico, film some content with Jake and his team. And he's a really cool guy. You know, I think he has a similar situation to what I have in Penn state with my gym and, um, you know, he's got his own gym down in Puerto Rico where he's training. He's got coaches. He's got he flies and sparring partners and stuff. And so I think, you know, we have a lot of similarities on that training. And it's just, you know, definitely different. He grew up in L.A. and I grew up on a wrestling mat. But uh, again, <laughs> it's like I said, we have a lot of common ground and, and it's fun, fun to work with him and kind of see what his mindset is like in regards to content and media. And I feel like, you know, as a young guy, he's done so much. So it's definitely somebody he's definitely somebody I try to learn from a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that want to go into WWE, for example, but they don't understand the content side, like how they speak, how they carry themselves. Jake has such a huge advantage because of, he did create a huge following from creating content that now he knows how to push buttons and he like a WWE heel, he can make you hate him based on what he says. And he feeds off it. And he knows like, there's a lot of very successful pro wrestling guys that have always said that they don't care if you boo them or cheer. They just want the reaction. And I think Jake understands that really well. And everything I've seen you do with the company so far, like the podcast you put out today, I loved it. And by the way, so one thing I loved about it was the Lego impl- impl- implementation where you used it as part of the whole thing. Like I've always told people if I could do an on-person or in-person podcast, I would love to do it over something like we're doing a podcast, but we're trying a new expensive high-end wine. And we're talking about that while we're talking. So I love that. Whose idea was it to work in stuff like that? Yeah, that was, that was my idea. So pretea much all the podcasts, I idea wise, they've the creative 
side of it, they've left that to me, which has been really, really that. cool. Um, awesome, yeah, basically, yeah. you know, the idea behind that was I, if I'm going to interview somebody and, and talk to them about their mindset and, and get deep, I don't want to just sit across from them um, and, and, and ask them questions, interview style, the way, you know, it typically is done. I want to get them comfortable, get them in an environment where they feel, feel safe. They feel like they're doing something they enjoy and then kind of figure out ways to tie that in to um, maybe the way they grew up and just the way that they view their sport and the way that they, or, or, or the way that they view their profession. And so for me, um, it's all about creating an environment where my guest is feeling like very themselves because I, that's, that's what I want to tap into. I, I, you know, it's easy to sit next to somebody and, and ask and ask them like, how'd you get to where you are? And they're going to say, Oh, well, I worked really hard and I put, you know, long hours in and I was had a really good coach or a really good mentor. And it's like, that's the same thing, but you get somebody comfortable, you get somebody relaxed and they're doing something they like, then, you know, the, the conversation just flows a little better. It's a little more organic. And so that's my goal with whoever I do the get, do the, do the, the show with, you know, whether they like bowling or darts, or maybe they really enjoy cars, you know, try to do something that they like and then, you know, make it fun for them as well. Yeah. And I don't know if, if that's just, so you had Brandon Moreno on for the first episode, which if you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it. It's on Bo's YouTube channel. I don't know how much of that was just, he seems like an awesome guy. So I don't know how much of that was his personality, but you, def cool, you definitely got him like out of his shell if he had one. And like you could see the reactions, and I think that's huge to have people on who you can get that reaction because it is boring. I've had people on that have no personality before, but they maybe have a huge accolade that people want to hear from. So you have them on, and then you're trying to pull stuff out of them. People are like, "Why didn't he go into this? Why didn't he go into that?" It's like, listen, I can only do so much. They're they're gonna talk about what they want to talk about. It's not always the easiest thing to to bring it out of them. Yeah, and I think that people in their, in their mid to late twenties. Now, a lot of, you know, we didn't necessarily grow up on social media as much as the, the got people a little younger than us, but I think we have a good enough understanding of it to where when we're doing an interview, we're almost all media trained. Like even when we get to Penn state, like our, our media guy, Pat, he kind of gives us a lowdown of a rundown of what we need to talk about and, you know, what we say, what we don't say. And so, you know, almost everybody really has some form of media training, especially people that are super successful they've done interviews before and stuff and you know for me like i kind of have a, almost a routine of how i talk and when questions are asked to me it's like the same answers but it and that that's just an, an interview sense of one-on-one -on -one with the person but i think if you get somebody in a in a conversation that's why it shows like food truck diaries are so cool they're eating something like i did food truck diaries yeah i mean a steak and it's like then the conversation is so much different than what it would be if he's just sitting face to face and asking me a question. So that's really what I want to tap into. And I feel like content like that is just for me, it's a better way to go about it. it it's not everybody's style, but I just personally like, like that style I, of conversation. I think, I think it's, it's great. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the best way you can do it. If I had like the time and resources to do an in-person show, it would hundred percent. If you look at what's the most mainstream in content, it's hot ones where they're trying chicken wings. It's Dave Portnoy's oh, pizza reviews where mm -hmm. they're eating pizza. Even Joe Kevin Rogan. Hart. Yeah. Kevin Hart, Joe Rogan's bringing in cigars. Like there's a lot of aspects to it that I think that's a huge, huge um, way to bring people in 
both on the consumer side, watching it makes it more interesting and, and the guest. So speaking of content and brand, I, I'm super curious about this. The business side of being a UFC fighter, being a wrestler, the business side for the most part is extremely black and white. Even with NIL in college, then you have like a subset of sponsorships in college and or after college, you get kind of as much sponsorship money as you can and, you know, try to win worlds, try to win Olympics. And then you're on to the next chapter. And a lot of guys struggle because there's not much experience. We've talked about this before with NIL and, and branding. But for you, there seems to be so much involved. You know, you're constantly traveling to Florida. I'm sure you're putting people up to train with. And it's interesting because I think I saw you won like a $50,000 performance bonus or something for the last fight. But you're only fighting a couple times a year. So that's your main income. And you have to create all these sources of income, which if you ask very successful people, they say one of their biggest hacks to wealth is creating multiple sources of revenue. And to be successful financially, especially early on in the UFC, that kind of seems like a prerequisite. And you're doing it pretty well. You have Scrap Life, you have Better, you have the ATT gym, you have, you know, weekly vlogs that honestly they should be like three or four times a week they're good but what has that been like for you kind of managing all those things and not getting distracted and I, well, i'll say the next question for kind of a part b to that right yeah it's it's been really interesting you know there, there's just so many opportunities in mma that there aren't in wrestling and i noticed a huge shift um there was really two huge shifts there was a huge shift after my first pro fight, and there was a huge shift after my first UFC fight where I, where I was realized that my world is a little different now, right? Yeah. After each of those. And I assume after this next one, it'll be the same thing where, you know, there's a shift. So, you know, I, I was patient with my uh, endorsement deals and sponsorship deals and stuff. I really only had scrap life up until I had my um, first fight in the UFC. And so I, there was a lot of deals that were thrown my way that I turned down because I knew there was bigger opportunity on the horizon and people were kind of trying to get me, get me early and get me locked in before I yeah. really blow up. And I, I still feel like I haven't really blown up to the scale that I will, even by the end of this year, or, you know, let's say the middle of next year, I think I'll probably be 10 X where I'm at now. And so uh, business-wise and financially, I think that, you know, what you said is very important to diversify and make sure you have sources of income coming from different places. And for me, I'm never going to fight for a check. So, you know, fighting is a passion of mine. It's something that I love to do. And yeah, the, the, the money is nice and there's big incentive there, but I don't ever want to put myself in a situation where I have to fight for money because that's just not a position you want to be in. And it's not the mentality that I want to have to go into compete because that's not what motivates me right now, deep down. And I know that that'll be just not enticing to me when when I don't need it anymore. So it, it's about to me creating streams of income that are going to allow me to live freely that have nothing to do with fighting. So that's, you know, businesses, real estate. I've been, you know, buying rental properties and stuff. And uh, I have a few businesses like you mentioned Scrap Life. Um, you mentioned Better. I have a new um, 
CBD recovery lotion that's coming out. There's a great product. Um, I'm hopefully eventually going to get into, we've talked about this before and I've been working on it for a while, but steak seasonings, steak seasonings <laughs> coming. I'm going to do knives, cutting boards, all different types of stuff like that to where, you know, at the end of the day, my, my fight, hopefully my fight checks are a small percentage of what I'll be making overall for my, for my income and to where I'm not going to have to be relying on those. And, uh, you know, that, that's the goal, right? Like right now, yeah, the majority of my income is coming from fighting, but I think by the next year, by, uh, you know, two years from now, it'll, it'll be the opposite. It'll switch. Yeah. And I think like, you know, I read some of these articles and numbers and I, I think they said like Jamie Pickett was offered like, I don't know, 75,000 to show or something for your fight. And it's like, like you said, people have to be paid and offered so much to fight you. Almost, it feels like they're taking it like, if I'm going to go out there and lose, this is what I want. But if you're fighting a couple times a year and you're not winning, especially $75,000, especially after taxes, isn't going to go very far. Like a lot of money on the sponsorship side is contractor based. And, you know, I was having a conversation with, with a wrestler about, listen, you need to set up an LLC and NIL money and all these things. If you get it, it needs to go through an LLC, set money aside for taxes. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, I got to have this expense and I got to do taxes. It doesn't go that far for you. What's that focus like where you're, you want to be the best MMA fighter in the world and you want to be a world champion and that's your primary goal. But if it's not financially, how do you balance those two things where it's like, you know, I think about Cal's philosophy, right? Where he's always like, go out there and win and everything else takes care of itself. To that degree with MMA, you almost really can't do that. Like you have to kind of diversify. How do you balance those goals where it's like, I want to be the best MMA fighter in the world over here, but I also am not doing it for the money. So I'm going to focus on a number of things over here. You know, I think that they're, they're not really, in my mind, um, the way I live my life and the way I balance it is th those things aren't really superposed. They honestly work together. It's just about being the same person regardless of the situation. And so for me, um, my my number one focus and priority is being the best fighter I can be. But at the same time, to do that, I have to live a balanced life and I have to set myself up to where I can prioritize and I don't have to worry about other things. I don't have to run around and go try to figure out other ways to to make money. And and at the same time, I'm not, I'm not chasing, I'm not grabbing, like I'm okay living the way I'm living now. Like I don't need to buy a Ferrari. I don't need to live in a $10 million home right now. Like I'm 27 years old. I got to see the nice Bronco. I like the Bronco. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to be uh, like, bumming it you know but uh i'm gonna i'm not gonna go crazy and so yeah. you know i know it's the, this is a this is a, a marathon and um yeah it just it just setting myself up and, and being smart being wise like you're saying you know there's a lot of different uh uh ways to you know protect your money and invest it and and put it in things that are gonna help you tax wise and stuff and and save you save you a lot of money at the end of the year i have a great like the same way I have a great team um, for fighting and for wrestling with my coaches and stuff. I have a great team financially. I have a great accountant, great management team that helps make decisions and stuff. And, you know, I, I also enjoy just financial um, information and research and that stuff because, you know, I want to 
have a good life for my family and, and my kids someday and make sure that everybody gets to live the way they want to live. Yeah. One thing I was going to bring up is that for you, you know, as you start coming onto the scene big time, I, you know, I get the people that are like, wait, aren't you friends with Bo? Like, you know, Bo, right? Like all of a sudden you become more mainstream. And one of the things that I've always said about you is your both loyalty and humility has not changed. Like I've, I've known you for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years now. And it's like your loyalty has never changed and, and you stay humble through NCAA championships, fight wins. Do you feel a tug to continue that? Like I got to imagine it. I don't want to say it gets harder, but you do have more pressure as the spotlight gets bigger. Remaining who you are, you have more temptation. You have more offers. I got to imagine that as your brand and you continue to grow, it's got to be harder to kind of stay centered and stay focused on what you believe in. You know, I feel like a lot of a lot of people have, have said that and, you know, assume that. And I don't really feel that because, you know, I'm still in State College, Pennsylvania. I'm still the same guy I was, you know, I'm I'm mowing the lawn every week. I'm doing normal things. And um, that's that's how I like to live. And, and I have a great uh, I have a lot of great people around me that, you know, are, are grounded in the same way. And you know, who share a lot of the same values and, and faith and things like that. And so um, I feel like, you know, staying true to myself and being being myself hasn't been crazy difficult. I feel like I've grown a lot for the better and, and let go of a lot of things that I held on to tightly as, as a younger guy. I think one thing that has really hit me hard the last year or so is not being super judgmental towards other people because I felt very, very judgmental. And um, like, if you're not doing things the way that I think you should do them or the way that I'm doing them, then like, what are you doing? Like, why, why would you do that? You know, and just like, it took me a lot of growing up to realize that everybody's on their own path. And so I feel like that just has a lot to do with, you know, the people that I put myself around and, um, you know, just always being open to, criticism and and being open to like different different views and stuff like that and i i feel like that you know that's what has has changed in in me and my heart a lot as of recently but you know i think at the end of the day when i look at who i am and kind of what i want people to think about when they think of me it really doesn't have anything to do with my accomplishments or anything i've done in athletics i, I really just want to be a good husband to my wife and I want to be a good dad to my kids someday. And, and, you know, that is much more important than, uh, being a great fighter or being rich. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I always keep those things on the front of my mind and, you know, I try to align my decisions with, with those things and, and not really judge other people of if they, if they want to, you know, make different decisions other than that, just being open and caring about people. And that, that's just kind of, what I, what I think about now. And I feel like it helps me uh, stay grounded, stay centered. I love it. A couple of quick questions. We're going to let you go. Um, Roman Bravo young grapples tomorrow night, UFC fight pass. Um, how excited are you for him to make his grappling debut as he slowly starts to move to MMA? Yeah, super excited. You know, I think that uh, Roman obviously is known as a electric, you know, high flying, exciting wrestler that has an amazing style, so fast, so quick, athletic, super technical, super smart. And I think that his style 
works works really well in jujitsu. He's got a great uh, feel. And so I think he's going to surprise a lot of people with how well he competes. Um, I mean, I definitely expect him to dominate. And, uh, you know, there's no rush. He's a really young kid. And when he wants to get into MMA and decides if he decides on getting to MMA, I, I think he will. But, you know, we'll see. Um, I think that he'll be incredibly successful. So this is a great first step. This is kind of similar to the way that I did it with taking a couple of grappling matches um, before. And, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, he whatever he's such a smart guy such a talented guy and, and and just a really good dude that whatever he puts his mind to he'll be he'll be successful at yeah i'm i can't wait for that i'm i'm excited and i he i'm just gonna go off that he loves to train and loves to compete mm-hmm. i think he's gonna be great at whatever he decides he's gonna do and that's just that's my two cents i'm i'm pumped to watch him well, what a lot of people don't know about roman they, they see him compete and you know chenzo knows this and i know this is he is a grinder, bro. He's in there. He, he works hard. Yeah. Yeah. You you wouldn't necessarily, I don't know, people don't, he's not really known for that because I think almost his athleticism and, and other stuff overshadows that, but he's in there, man. He's working. So yeah. he's, he's going to, he's going to do well, no doubt. I remember last year, I think it was last year after NCAAs, maybe this year, he told me, I'm, we were just talking casually. We talk all the time. He's like, yeah, I'm doing a triathlon. I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you crazy? Yeah. What do you mean? Triathlon. Um, a lot of people, and I get the question, and I've probably even asked it before, where a lot of people love to ask about who you're most excited for, you know, Penn State wrestlers, current college wrestlers going into MMA, Carter, Nolf wants to go. You have a lot of wrestlers who make it very known they want to go to MMA. I'm curious for you if there's somebody who you know isn't going to go to MMA or right now doesn't want to, but you'd love to see them go into MMA. Man, there are a lot of guys, you know, the the hard thing about MMA, as far as, you know, wanting guys to go into MMA is that getting into an athletic competition and and kind of being like, all right, yeah, get get, like, like forcing a a friend or a buddy to be like, let's go play soccer, let's go play basketball. It kind of just ends up at a good time, no matter what. But if you really tell somebody, hey, man, you, you should get in a fight. And then they get hit in the face <laughs> and then, you know, they get a little tired and then it doesn't go well. It's like, that's not fun. It's not like playing basketball or soccer. It's not a, right. a good, I really don't. There's nobody, even the guys that have told me, yo, I want to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm like, okay, like, we'll see. Like get in the gym. Like, that's it. Like, I don't really like yeah. grab anybody and be like, yo, you need to fight. You know, you need to fight. I think it's in everybody's heart. And uh, if it's if it's really on your heart and you really want to do it, then then you're going to do it. You're going to make it happen. I'm sure a lot of people didn't believe me that I was going to fight until I took my first fight, you know, and a lot of people are probably like, nah, like that ain't really happening. And then, you know, until I did it. And and even for me, it's like a question mark until you actually do it. And so that that's the mindset I like to have for that is I'm not pushing anybody to do it, even no matter what, even if you tell me that, like you're dead set on it. OK, I'll, I'll believe you when you step into the cage in a fight. And then it's on. But until then, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Who do you real. think under the radar could be really good in MMA? Don't say me. I was I was going to say you. Dude, <laughs> I was honestly going to say you. I know Tenzo was getting the hands going a little bit. Uh, last time he was he was up here, he was get, getting them working. We were. We were working on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I we were getting get going. Obviously, like, you brought him up. Uh, he hasn't fought yet, but I would love to see Nolf in a fight. He's an Same. animal. 
Um, so Me too, man. You know, that would be that would be fun. I, I think there are a lot of good guys, you know. Um, uh, a guy that, you know, has talked to me about it a few times that I think would be super fun to watch is uh, Mike Machiavello. Literally the nicest dude in the world. Ooh, but He'd be yeah. so fun to watch. He's yeah. been training hard and he's been grinding. So I, I could see him fighting, you know, uh, sometime soon. It would be fun. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's I mean, a good one. If there's a wrestler out there that wants to fight, hit me up. Like, I would love to help anybody. I mean, I'm not that far into my career, but um i want to help anybody that is a wrestler that wants to get after it and and even if you don't come and train with me or whatever i'll I'll help you know as much as i can all right last question you... oh i'm gonna ask one too after sorry we're all right, you go two more go ahead all right all right my mine's a little different um so are, like just being a fighter i'm sure you're like you know into the sport as well are you like excited for the fight card that you're on because it's crazy like fight you're on an awesome crazy. fight card. Yeah, dude. You're on an awesome card. Rob, like guys like Robbie Lawler are 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 a prelim. Robbie Lawler was a UFC champ whenever we were in college. Crazy. It's insane, man. Um, the weird part about a fight card that you're on is you don't get to watch the fights. So it's like yeah. almost disappointing. You're like, dang it. Like my last fight card, I barely got home because I have to do interviews and stuff after the fight. And I just I got to turn the John Jones card on on the TV. And I was like, I couldn't even see it. Like, so I was just waiting in the Airbnb watching. And it was like, I put it on and he was stepping into the cage. And I was like, oh, well, we we we, we got it. So that was the only fight I got to see. But yeah, so it's kind of bittersweet because it's sick. You're on the card. It's going to be hype. Energy's crazy. Yeah. But you really don't get to see much. So I'll have to watch that. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. That's that's interesting. Yeah, because it's like, you know, you're you know, wrestling. You're a Final X wrestler. You're probably not watching all the matches at Final X either. Right. But like yeah that's that's man. interesting man yeah because it's it's a great card and geez, i'm excited i get to watch the whole thing so. yeah for sure yeah it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun definitely i like uh, that brandon moreno's on after you had him on the podcast mm -hmm. and now you guys are fighting the same card i don't know if that was intentional mm -hmm. but i noticed that. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool no it wasn't it was it was actually it got announced after we did the podcast because we shot we shot a few months ago um and then it got announced, and I was like, oh, that's sweet. And I saw him at a UFC event. Uh, where did I see him at? No, no, I saw him at Vegas. He was training at the PI uh, during the US Open. And I was like, oh, what's up, bro? Like, we're fighting on the same card. Like, let's go. And he was like, oh, all hype. But, yeah, it's both such a legit fighter now because he's calling the PI. <laughs> he's, he's the PI. <laughs> he's such a UFC yeah. guy now. He's like the PI. Um, it's actually so, the Moreno fights the fight I'm second most excited about. Definitely. Obviously, Definitely. Mr. Fierce, but I think that's going to be a scrap, man. Absolutely. I'm go. really, uh, Chenzo knows this a lot. I'm an early bird. Like, I wake up super early and I go to bed super early. So, as a fan, watch the fights on the West Coast. Not a bad idea. I'm super yeah. excited, though, that you're opening the pay per view because then it's like if I fall asleep after, I'll catch everything else in the morning when I wake up. Like, I'll rewatch it. It's sometimes torture if I'm exhausted staying up for the main event. I love that. Like, I know that you're going to keep climbing on the card and you're going to keep fighting later and later. <laughs> it's going to be like, <laughs> it's not advantageous to my sleep schedule. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, I, I like being early too because, you know, I, I want to like, I just want to fight. I don't want to sit there for seven hours. You know, there was, um, I think like the NCAA wrestling tournament, there was a couple of times where I was the last match of the night and everybody leaves. Well, actually my sophomore year, um, 
everybody left everybody went to the like the penn state after party and stuff and i was stuck um trying to do a drug test for like till midnight and it's the worst so i like being was i with you yeah i think you were <laughs> i think i was with you we were yeah we were we were sitting there until like, like four problems. hours late we showed up and it was like everybody's gone we're like okay <laughs> whatever there was i think that yeah that was my freshman year it took me forever it was yeah, yeah. i don't know if you remember this because i think you finished a little before me but the the dude that was with me it was like whatever three hours late and uh he was like dude just jump in the shower and uh like it might be weird, but I'll just watch you, and I promise you're gonna go. And I was like, okay, did it, boom. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, what a what a guy, you, what yeah. a guy, <laughs> yeah, what a guy. That's a that's a that's a great tactic for that. Yeah, it was. It worked. <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain, literally. Yeah. Um, all right, last question. Now that you've gone through the whole, I'm sure the first time around was very exciting, probably also a little overwhelming at times. But now that you've gone through the whole process. What are you looking forward to the most next weekend fighting again? Um, you know, there's a couple cool parts that are that are really sweet that I like last time. I think the uh the ceremonial win was really fun. You get a win in front of a huge crowd. Um, the press conference was fun, um, the face-off, all of that. It was all really exciting, a cool build-up. And I'm excited. I think this dude's gonna like talk a little trash and stuff. So I hope he does because that, that'll be fun. So, you know, my last guy was very respectful, obviously, you know, and uh, that that's cool too. But, you know, this guy I think is going to try to try to talk a little bit. So hopefully, hopefully that happens. Um, and then obviously the best part is just fighting, you know, just being in, in front of the lights, in front of the crowd. And that's just like a feeling unlike anything I've ever felt, you know, get hopefully do the post fight interview with, with Joe again and, and bro out for like a minute with Joe Rogan. I listened to him so much. So that was crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, honestly, all of that is, is a lot of fun. Um, you know, definitely not looking forward to the weight cut, but you gotta do what you gotta do. How is that? It's, it it's easier than wrestling. Well, I'll say this. It's different than wrestling. It, my weight cuts harder now, you know, and I was wrestling 197. I weighed in at 97. Right. It's so easy. So it's like a joke, yeah. but now I'm, you know, 206, 208, and uh, cutting down to 186. It's not fun, but you just get such a long time to recover. So I'm not really yeah. worried about it. I just take care of it, weigh in, and then I have 36 hours, um, and I'm good to go. But it's not, not fun up, getting down. Up. It's funny that you think Trey Sean is going to talk trash because I, I didn't watch anything. I watched, like, one interview he did um after one of his fights and i saw like he's like i want to thank my lord and savior jesus christ i'm so humbled to be here i'm so grateful for this net it's funny how different some fighters talk not i'm not saying him in general but just some fighters talk so different after because they want to put on a show leading up to the fight like a fighter before and after i like when they're the same guy if you're like if you're Conor McGregor and you put on a show before, I want you to put on a show after. Like, don't change your tune. I'm very curious to see how you do when you get that first, like, opponent who really pushes you, like, talks that trash. Yeah, yeah you know, for me, it's it's like you said, you know, I'm going to be the same person regardless. And uh, at the end of the day, no matter what they say, they still got to fight me. So we'll, we'll figure it out, man. And, uh, you know, if you want to talk crazy – like for me, I'm 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 not about the the hug after like oh good fight brother. Yeah, like, I don't no, like man. that. 
Get off me. Dude. I like, see that all the time, and I'm. Yeah, I'm like, dude, yeah. I got plenty of friends, man. I don't need any more. Like, I'm done. <laughs> so, you know. Um. Yeah, for me, it's like the same thing. Keep keep the the energy the same, and you want to talk crazy? Like, all right, we'll see, man. We'll see if you're talking crazy when my elbows driving into your orbital and uh, <laughs> I'm on top of you and you're, and you're gasping for air and you're tired. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, you can tell Bo's press conference ready. <laughs> he's ready to go. So I think he's fight ready. I'm ready, man. I'm excited. This has this yeah. been a long training camp, so I'm ready. Let's to go, dude. Yeah, let's do it for sure. I'm excited because you saw the whole pre leading up to the fight and then you saw all the media after and now you get to kind of do it again. But it is interesting when you this is what your second fight of the year. Yep. Yeah. Second one of the year. So it's like you're competing now second time and it's already end of June where it's like by this time, let's say in college where you're competing all January, all February, all March, then maybe us open April final X June. Like it's crazy. Just compete. There's a lot of anticipation in the air. Yeah. You got to make the most of it. So I'm ready. Have some fun dog. Are we getting, uh, are we getting fight week vlogs next week? Yeah, we'll do a couple. We'll do, I think, two. Okay. So, yeah. Keep guys up to date. Yeah, I appreciate y'all. Yeah. yeah. Can't watch the chat, boys. Hey, I love All right, guys. Back. It's great go, chatting with you guys. Go and uh, watch Bo's podcast. He did. It just came out today on his YouTube channel. He's also got Steak Sundays, a whole bunch of other fun stuff. And for all the Chenzo fans who've been complaining he's not been on, he's back. We're going to do some more episodes coming up. <laughs> Shout out Chenzo's mom. She always reshares the episodes. I love it. That's what I was saying. That's, that's the fan that's been asking me for, to be back on. Yeah, the number one fan. Is, is that her with the burgers right, on YouTube? <laughs> who knows? I'll see you guys later. All right, all right guys. Later. I'll take it. Thank you. And the beat goes on.